This is a Hog Sports Network podcast. You're listening to the Whole Hog Football Podcast, bringing you the latest news, analysis, and more. Here's your host, Matt Jones, with Scotty Bordelon of the Hog Sports Network and wholehogsports.com. How you view how Arkansas played at LSU last weekend may just come down to your personality. Are you somebody who sees the glass half empty? Are you somebody who sees the glass half full? I think there's, you know, multiple ways you can look at this. On one hand, Arkansas is really struggling right now in one-score games. It's not just a 2023 problem. You go back to last season, they lost four games uh, by a combined nine points. How you play in close games is is always going to determine how we look back on a season, be it successful, uh, unsuccessful, maybe kind of an average-type season. Again, you think about last year, those four games are the difference between Arkansas being 10-2 and two and in a big-time bowl game and being 6-6 six and six and having to go play Kansas at the Liberty Bowl in Memphis. They're not off to a great start in that regard this year, losing to LSU by three points, losing to BYU by seven points. Certainly the BYU loss uh, looks a little worse in light of, of what they did when they went to an undefeated Kansas team last week and lost by two scores. On the other hand, you can look at Arkansas and say they didn't fold. They didn't back down. Uh, this is a team that's got some fight in it. And it's certainly something that I think is is can be built on as they go throughout the rest of this season. They still got this rough stretch of games. They play A&M this week in Dallas. Then they go to Ole Miss. Then they go to Alabama. But similar to two years ago, whenever Arkansas finished on a real high note, the schedule looks a lot more manageable for the Razorbacks over the back half of the season, especially in light of, of who they played early on and how that can build some character and some toughness within a football team. I'm Matt Jones with Scotty Bordelon of wholehogsports.com today. Uh, Scotty, I'd, I'd be interested to know your thoughts on the LSU game. Yeah, I think there was obviously some good and, and some bad. Uh, I think the the bad, to me, it just kind of felt familiar, the whole loss. Um, I think what was maybe most familiar to me was Arkansas' struggle uh, to to stop a, a you know a pretty good passing game, and obviously I mean I know Jaden Daniels is really good and uh, he I think he's probably firmly in the Heisman conversation right now. Um, LSU's rolling offensively, and he's got two of the best receivers in the league. Uh, you could have probably argue that Malik Neighbors is one of the best uh, skill talents in, in the country, and there's a lot of them out there. But he's just he's put up some crazy numbers this year but Arkansas has struggled to 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 you know disrupt that passing game especially you know the last, maybe the last 30 32 minutes of that game was just it felt really familiar um pretty irritating i would imagine if if you're an arkansas fan like you you know you went went and got several guys from the transfer portal to try to shore up a a pass defense that was that finished last year as sam likes to say um and they just couldn't. They couldn't get a stop, man. They, they didn't force an, an LSU punt after their first drive of the game. Offensively, I think, um, I think they they got into a little bit of a rhythm, and it was it felt like I wrote the other night that you know KJ kind of had a vintage performance in the fact that you know he just kept Arkansas in the game, and I think that's what KJ can do for you. You know, when you're going into a place where your back is against the wall, uh, as soon as you walk in, you probably not as talented as a whole than the than the team you're facing on the road but KJ can kind of offset some of that with his playmaking and uh you know his his ability to kind of just impromptu make a incredible play 
here and there. And, you know, he was so good the other night. He threw two touchdown passes on the same drive. Like, and one of them got called back and he didn't even, yep. didn't even care. Um, and then his ability to just make plays with his feet, whether he's, you know, picking up a big third down uh, with his feet. I think he had a 25-yard run. And then, you know, obviously the big play uh, to, to Luke has that reminded me a lot of the Dominic Johnson touchdown pass he threw in 2021 when Arkansas mm-hmm. won down there. It was There were some good things. I thought the, the, the receiving core was solid. You know, they were targeting Tyrone Broden like he was Jamar Chase the other night uh, earlier in the game. But I think it's good to just get another guy that can that's capable, that's got some experience playing at, at, at the D1 level. Uh, got him going a little bit. He had a third down catch. I think some of those things uh, can be confidence boosters. And, um, you know, you never end moral victories. But I think you can take a lot, especially from the offensive side of the ball out of that game. And, you know, I wrote uh, on Monday about Arkansas taking a step forward on third down. Uh, two of 13 against BYU, they were eight of 13 at LSU. And I wrote in the keys last week, Arkansas going into the LSU game was 12 of 20 passing on third down uh, in the first few weeks. And only six of those passes went for a first down. And Arkansas had five first down completions on third down the other night. So I think you're seeing some strides there. And I asked Sam about it on Monday and he thinks guys are just kind of getting more accustomed to, to playing with each other. So maybe you're seeing some synergy from the offense, but I think um, defensively you got to try to get more pressure on the quarterback. I think you've got to find a third linebacker that can kind of spell Jaheim Thomas and Chris Paul because they played probably, God, probably at least 90% of the snaps the other night. Mm-hmm. And then secondary, um, you know, you just got to, you got to bounce back from that. I know Jaheim, Jaheim Singletary got picked on quite a bit the other night. Um, so maybe maybe you're looking at um, who you can who you feel confident at, at corner this week. I think well, let's focus on the good first. You, we can talk about the good and the bad from the game. The, the thing that stood out to me was that I thought Arkansas's offensive line played a lot better. They weren't great. They still had a lot of penalties, a lot of false start penalties. Although half of their false start penalties were on tight ends, two of them against Nathan Bax and one against Luke Has. Um, the penalties were still a problem, 11 for 69 yards, but I didn't feel like the penalties were as egregious errors uh, during this game as they were against BYU. Six of those penalties were false starts. Another one was a delay of game. I think all of those you can probably contribute to the crowd noise uh, that uh, they they faced at LSU. We, we talked about it last week. You can't simulate as loud as it gets at Death Valley. You just can't. And I think Pittman kind of acknowledged that after the game the other night. Said they tried to simulate noise as best they could. Obviously, they couldn't do it. It it was it was a totally different animal once they got into the once they got into the stadium into that venue. But seven penalties out of eleven are either false starts or a delay of game. I think the noise plays a huge factor in that. And I think you know some of that too. Uh, at least one or two of those false start penalties were the result of just really keeping your linemen down in their stance for a long time. I think about Brady Latham's false start before the two-point conversion that they ultimately still converted with an eight-yard pass instead of a three-yard pass. But those linemen had been down in their stance for a good 20, 25 seconds, and Arkansas still motioning players around. Uh, I know some of that you're trying to get a look at what the defense is is doing. Some of it you're probably trying to create a distraction uh, for where you really want the ball to go. Uh, But, you know, I I think they've got to do a better job of getting the play calls in. you know, the, the timeout situation they had at the end was a result of not being able to get the play calls in. Uh, I just think that things need to be a little bit quicker uh, than they are 
uh, from sideline to quarterback to line of scrimmage to getting the snap off. Uh, it seems like things are, are really delayed. But going back to the offensive line for a minute, I thought they looked really in sync. It was the first time this year that we've seen Devin Manuel get a lot of run with the first team uh, line. The thought coming out of spring ball was that he was going to be their starting left tackle. I think he probably would have been their starting left tackle if not for the injuries. You go back to preseason camp, had a concussion, kept him out of practice for more than a week. Then he gets back into practice. I think he turns an ankle, uh, goes through, you know, kind of battles through that ankle injury. Then he gets a stinger. I mean, he's battled some stuff here over the last six or seven weeks and and really has not been able to, uh, you know, kind of just get in rhythm with the rest of the first team offensive line. Latham missed some some practice time uh, with, with concussion protocol in the preseason too, missed the first game against Western Carolina. And so I'm interested to see if Manuel becomes their left tackle. I, I keep thinking that if he can stay healthy and get plenty of practice time, that he's going to become their left tackle. And I'm, I've, you know, I've been waiting to see with this offensive line, if they can get Devin Manuel in there, does that make this offensive line more effective? Because that's the five that I don't think there was any doubt coming out of the spring. They wanted them to be their five. And I was real impressed with how they played the other night. You know, people will point at Brady Latham's false start on the two-point play. Some people will point at Bo Lemmer's hold on the, the touchdown to Armstrong that got called back. And, and certainly, you know, those are penalties and, and you can't undo them. And they're, they're part of what's on film. But what's also on film is that those two, I thought, played pretty darn good. I thought uh, late Limmer in the middle, I thought his snaps were as good as they've been all year. I thought he did a good job of getting to the second level a number of times. And then you look at Latham, uh, his run grades were not great. That's never really been his strength, uh, but his pass protection was the best on the team. I think that if you got Limmer and Latham playing well, that's where a good offensive line starts. And you got that a little bit the other night against LSU. And I think it showed in the results on the field. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, the grades from PFF. If you look at the the overall offense grades, uh, your three highest rated offensive linemen are the guys in the middle. The guys with with the experience, Limmer, Braun, and Latham, graded out one, two, three, respectively. That way, um, yeah, even Kirk Herbstreit, I think, was giving Bo Limmer some props um, at a certain point in the game. It may have been, I can't remember. It may have been a AJ or a um, Rashad Dubinian run or a KJ run. Um, yeah, Limmer did. A, I thought he did a good job getting to the second level and creating some space uh, in the run game. But you know, all those guys, like the offensive line, I think you know, aside from what I'm seeing here, Manuel and Chambly were not great at all in in pass blocking. But you know, Brady Latham at 87, Bo Limmer's at 82 or 84, Josh Braun not not great, but at 70. Um, I think. I think you saw the the interior of the line play pretty well. I mean, obviously, aside from from some penalties, I just think and Kudis. I'm not all that surprised that Kudis is not rated super rated super high. I mean, that's just. I mean, you're 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 in your first full season as a as a starting tackle in this league and going on the road, you know, against some monsters that mm-hmm. LSU has on its defensive front. That's got to be. They knew with Kudas he was going to that this was going to be a learning curve for him. I mean, they yeah. they talked about it in the preseason when when you heard Sam Pittman go out to the the luncheons, kind of the speaking circuit in the preseason. I mean, yeah. I think you know the I don't know if he said it this way, but kind of the thought that I came away was, we think he's going to be really good down the road. He's going to have to take his lumps this year to get there. 
Yeah, for sure. And and I think going against a guy like Trajan Jeffcoat in the preseason, John Morgan, those are two guys that it feels like they've been in college football for a decade. Um, really physical, mature, big guys, strong guys. I think that I think that's that I think he'll probably take last Saturday as a learning experience. But I think, you know, I was looking at PFF earlier and um 40%, percent of the pressures that Arkansas's quarterbacks have faced this season have been at least partially the responsibility of the left tackle, which is an it's a crazy number. Um, and, you know, you slide more toward the interior. Those numbers obviously drop, but you get back out to right tackle. It's it's higher, but it's not nearly as high as, as 40.6%. I think they like Kudis at right tackle. I think Sam's liked him. Obviously, since they recruited him, I think even in December 21, he was like, yeah, Kudis has got a, he's got a chance to play early in his career and, and be really good. But left tackle, that's the biggest concern, I think, on the on the line. And for Devin Manuel to have, like, his role been really, really small to this point in the year, um, like 62.6 offensive grade in, like, your first – your first real live action going against some dudes on defense. I'll, I, I would take that. Uh, I think that he played 54 snaps and Andrew Chambly got 18 uh, the other day. And I'm, I would imagine Chambly's snaps came early in that game and they were just like, Hey, we're going to give Manuel a shot, see what he can do. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Like you said, if, if Manuel's the guy moving forward, but it was interesting that Sam on Monday was like, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I wouldn't say that Manuel's overtaken Chambly at left tackle, but I think Manuel gives you your your best chance. And uh, it kind of seems like the based on the preseason, like before Chambly kind of emerged because Manuel was out. It kind of seemed like Chambly was a year away, and so maybe this these first few weeks will be good for him down the line. But I think Manuel is is your guy uh, at left tackle. You got to get it shored up because you can't. I mean, you can't be giving up 40% of, of the pressures on an offensive line. That's just, that's just not going to cut it. Well, he may be saying that to to try to motivate Manuel too. Sure. You know, you don't, you know, don't, don't, don't anoint him too early. Make him, make him hungry. Yeah. Make kind him... of maybe the same type of deal, maybe to a lesser extent, like with the, with the punting situation, like Max Fletcher had a couple duds against BYU mm -hmm. and Sam said he was going to play or he was going to punt Devin Bale. Um, didn't work out that way because Arkansas didn't punt it at all. Yeah, um, but one you see Max Fletcher, yeah, he goes out his first punts, fifty plus yards. So, um, yeah, it could be some of that too. Yeah, you know, it's he. He said Devin Bell is definitely going to play at LSU. I don't think he expected Arkansas not to have to punt it. <laughs> you know, but but one time the way they did and Fletcher. Yeah, you have Max Fletcher convert a, a a fake field goal run too. You probably can't tell that boy anything right now. He's, Isn't it interesting but, talking about that? We were talking about how. Uh, similar the game was to 2021 there were just so many weird similarities the mm -hmm. has touchdown was similar to dominic johnson's touchdown in 21 uh they they converted a fake field goal in 21 when reed bauer the holder ran it i think for about 23 yards down inside the 10 but what's interesting is that on both of those drives the bauer drive in 21 and the fletcher drive this year they still had to settle for field goals on those yeah. drives uh you know we were talking the other night i think there were a couple of other uh, similarities between these two games obviously a close game uh the, the fourth time in a row that arkansas and lsu have played uh to a field goal uh i want to talk about kj jefferson for a minute because i didn't think he played that great against byu um i thought his shoulder 
maybe his arm. I don't know what looked like it was bothering him. I still thought it looked maybe like it was bothering him some the other night. Uh, maybe not to the degree that it did against BYU, but you know, I, I thought the decision number one to roll the offensive line. I thought that benefited him some early, got him into a rhythm. Uh, I know they didn't do that throughout the entire game, but I, I, I thought, you know, it, it did seem like there was a, a point of emphasis to do that early in the game, but just him getting outside the pocket and, you know, kind of just, you you mentioned earlier that you thought it was vintage KJ Jefferson. Uh, you know, that's, that's where he's so good is when he gets outside the pocket and you just kind of let him play, you know, just, just let him go out and play ball. Maybe you're going to run it. Maybe you're going to throw it. Maybe, you know, you don't know what you're going to do with it, but that's what's made Arkansas so good offensively the last two years is when Jefferson kind of gets out on the perimeter and is able to, you know, make some split second decisions about running the ball, throwing the ball. He's so good in the RPO. I, I think that, you know, he and Sanders are, there's so much cohesion between the two of them and the RPO that is missing right now because Rocket has missed the last three games. We don't know what he's going to be like this week against AM. and uh, the, the signs have all kind of been pointing toward his return this week, but I don't think that that's uh, definite at this point. But uh, the thing I thought about as I was watching KJ the other night, you know, he got a Corvette recently, posted about it on Instagram. That That is what earns you Corvette money is the way yeah. that he played the other night, going into Tiger Stadium and, you know, throwing punch for punch with Jaden Daniels in the third and fourth quarters. I mean, the only reason maybe that LSU wins that game is that, and, and part of this could be Jefferson, part of it could be the the offensive coordinator or, or some sort of uh, miscommunication in between. But maybe the only reason that KJ Jefferson doesn't get a chance to go down there and answer and maybe lead Arkansas on a game tying or, or, or game winning drive is because he didn't have any timeouts left because they had to use them all basically by the start of the fourth quarter. Yeah, for sure. And I wrote the other night that it's, it was a shame that KJ didn't get out of there with his second win in as many trips to 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 Death Valley. I mean, he he played his tail off, and I had some people commenting on my story that I wrote the other night that he looked inconsistent. I didn't. I didn't really think that. I mean, there's obviously some things in that game that you wish he could have done better. Like he threw a pick early in the game, right after Arkansas. Um, I got a pick from from Dwight McLaughlin. Um, couldn't capitalize on on that. Um, and yeah, I mean, you're gonna miss some throws. I mean, I think Sam mentioned at one point um, KJ threw the ball out of the back of the end zone one time when Andrew Armstrong broke free late but I think it was maybe after KJ had already decided to throw the ball away maybe you hold on to it for a split second longer you get seven there I don't know but um KJ was really good I thought he was poised um yeah I think the communication has got to get got to get cleaned up and some of it I would imagine did have to do with, with that crowd noise um down there like whatever Arkansas was pumping in that was awful earlier in the week it just it still just doesn't hold a candle to the real thing you know and um I thought KJ played well enough to he, I thought he deserved a win in that game just the way that he went shot for shot with um with Jaden Daniels and you know I think Sam mentioned this the other day going back to the kind of the, the rolling of the pocket and kind of getting him in in some space you know where he can kind of make a decision on what he wants to do Sam said that they've he thinks they've done a really good job kind of with that scramble drill 
And KJ, I think, mentioned it after maybe it was the Kent State game. Um, whenever KJ does roll or whenever he does scramble, you know, he he says that Andrew Armstrong does Andrew Armstrong does a really good job mirroring him um and finding, you know, or working his way back toward the ball or working himself open in an area that's, you know, in KJ's line of vision. Uh, and I think Luke has is kind of the same way. I think Isaac Tesla will get that way too. Um and I thought, you know, maybe an underrated thing that happened in the game was Rashad Dubinian kind of did the same thing, you know, on a big, big third down conversion that he had. I think it was a completion for 26 yards or something. Mm-hmm. Um, just making yourself available to the quarterback, maybe when things break down, that's it's, it's easier said than done. But I think Arkansas is doing a good job of that. And you've got a quarterback that can extend plays far beyond um, what's normal. Um, so that's a, I think that's a, a really, really big thing to uh, to be executing well so early in the year. I want to talk a little bit more about these one possession games, dig into the numbers a little bit. But first, we need to tell you that the Whole Hog Football Podcast is sponsored by Kendall King, design, display, signage, kendallking.com. It's K-E-N-D-A-L-K-I-N-G.com. The Kendall King Group family of companies plays to win, just like our hogs. We know how demanding retail marketing is today. From digital omni-channel creative services, through in-store signing and displays, and finally, to social influence, we've got you covered. Our KKG Inc. family of companies, Kindle King, Shopcart Creative, and Soapbox Influence are winning with multiple retailers and brands. We play to win and we'll be a winning partner for all your retail marketing service needs. Go Hogs! We talked earlier about how Arkansas in one possession games last year, not a not a real good year. And that was the difference between a, a good year and a, a bad year. Yeah, I looked into the numbers after this weekend, after they they dropped their second one possession game of the season. And if you go back to 2020, Pittman is five and eleven in his tenure in one possession games. Not great. And you look at the closer the score the worse Arkansas's record is. And so what I mean by that is, you know, one of their seven-point wins was over uh, Cincinnati last year. They had a seven-point win over Mississippi State uh, in in 2020, Pittman's first win, his second game. You know, but you you look, you you get into tighter games. They had a three-point win over Mississippi State in 2021 and in LSU in back-to-back weeks. But they've not been real good in games that are decided by, you know, three points and less. Missouri last year, a close loss, two points. Liberty last year, a close loss, two points. LSU last year, a three-point loss. LSU this year, a three-point loss. LSU Pittman's first year, a three-point loss. Uh, the the closer the game, the more they have struggled. And I think a lot of it really boils down, Scotty, to uh, coaching decisions, whether it be uh, the timeout mismanagement the other night against LSU. Uh, there have been so many instances where Arkansas – has gone for it in the middle of the field like they did for BYU, and that become kind of a turning point in the game. It certainly was a turning point last year against Liberty and against LSU. Uh, it was a turning point in a, an Auburn game that doesn't even factor into these one-possession games a couple of years ago where Auburn wins uh, by two scores. It just, I think it really magnifies some of the coaching decisions. And, you know, I, I'm not saying that you, you get rid of Sam Pittman, but, you know, at some point he's going to have to turn around these one possession games because you don't last long if you can't win in one possession games. I looked at 
Chad Morris, one in seven in one possession games. The one win over Portland State, an FCS team. Brett Bielema, eight and 14 in one possession games. Bobby Petrino, 13 and seven in one possession games. We talk about how your success or lack thereof in, in close games can make a season feel totally different. Think about 2011. Arkansas very easily could have lost to Texas A&M, a winless SEC Ole Miss team. That was the year Nutt got fired at Ole Miss. And Vanderbilt, that was the year Jerry Franklin scoops up a 95-yard fumble at the five-yard line, and that game turns in an instant early in the fourth quarter. That's a 10-2 and team that wins a bowl game and finishes number five that very easily could have finished the regular season seven and five and played in Nashville in the Music City Bowl. And we don't remember that team nearly as fondly as we do, but they Mm -hmm. were really good in one possession games. Houston not 22 and 20 in one possession games. And that's, that's why he was able to stick around for so long. Pittman's got to get better in these one possession games. I don't know what the answer is, but it really, I think that those close games magnify how you know it magnifies a lot of things about your coaching and you can really get into some of these close losses like the LSU game like the BYU game and really nitpick uh because of of different decisions that were made yeah for sure I think it's a it's a mixture of a lot of things um and you can get down into like the the you know the details of of each game but like I think it it's coaching decisions I think it's you know not shooting yourself in the foot as an offense it's defensively being able to come up with a stop like a timely stop in some of these instances um and i just think like teams that i think are successful when games are tight they play complementary football and i'm not exactly sure at least the last couple weeks that arkansas's like Last year when Arkansas was playing well or in 2021 when Arkansas was playing well, they they had like – it felt like the defense was kind of doing its thing and helping out the offense, and then the offense was doing its thing and helping out the defense. Special teams was pitching in, that kind of thing. It just doesn't seem like there's like that – that I keep saying synergy, but there there's not – I don't feel like there is that right now. Um, you know, I think you've got to uh, – offensively, Arkansas has got to cut down the penalties. Like the penalties are outrageous at times and I know like three of the false starts last week were on tight ends and two of them were on Nathan backs. One was on Luke has. And so um, obviously not ideal, but those have got to get cleaned up. Um, you look at some of the the red zone stuff like Arkansas in the last two weeks, they've got four touchdowns and nine red zone trips. I mean, they've gotten four field goals out of it. So they've got what eight scores and nine trips, but you know, you're leaving points on the board. You're leaving points on the field. Um, and I don't know that Arkansas's defense at this point, like last week, I think kind of worried me a little bit because Arkansas did so much work trying to shore up at secondary and then first game against a really pass happy offense. And it just didn't go well. Like it's not going to go well for a lot of defenses this year, but you can't come up with one stop after, you know, 13 minutes into the second quarter. That's just, that's, that's really tough. And that's stressing your offense to make them feel like they've got to go shot for shot. When if you just come up with one stop, you have to believe based on what you've seen the rest of the game that KJ is going to go down and get, he's going to get you a score. Um, I just think they've got to play complimentary football. Um, and it doesn't seem, it didn't seem like last weekend it was, they were, they were kind of in sync and yeah, it's, it's a lot of things, but I think it, a lot of it comes down to, to that. Like can your offense 
help your defense by, you know, given the like not going three and out in a minute and 20 seconds? Can your defense help your offense out by, you know, getting quick three and outs or coming up with a, a timely turnover, um, that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's a lot of things. And um, ideally, you'd like to not play close games. So if you can get stops and, you know, turn the ball over to, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, I, I think you got a, a pretty good shot. High penalty games have been a, a, a consistency in some of these uh, close losses, obviously the last two weeks, 25 penalties for, I don't know how many yards, probably close to 200. Yeah, it's a bunch. Um, you know, obviously they had a ton against BYU, kind of an all time. It wasn't quite the record, but it was, it was close to being a record, both for penalties and like for penalty 25, yards. 25 for 205 yards the last two yeah. weeks. And then the red zone, the last two weeks, I think, you know, you, They've, they've come away with points in the red zone. If you just look at Arkansas as a red zone mm -hmm. team, it's going to show that they're one of the best red zone teams in the country because they're scoring on most of their red zone trips. But you, you dig down into the numbers in the last two weeks against BYU and LSU, they've had nine red zone trips and just four touchdowns. Yeah, You, could, you, you turn one or two of those field goal trips into a, a touchdown trip, and all of a sudden we're thinking about those games a lot different. I think the, you know, the good news is as we finish up today – for Arkansas is that red zone problems, I think can be corrected. Um, I think penalty problems can be corrected if they can figure this out in a tough stretch. And, and part of this is it goes back to coaching and, and maybe an element of coaching that you don't see on the field. It's keeping that locker room together when, when things may not be going so great from a win loss perspective, but if they can just keep it together, you, know, you think about once they get, through this stretch of games against Ole Miss and Alabama, obviously A&M this week, Mississippi State looks like a winnable game. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know that going to Florida seems as daunting as it has in the past. Auburn looks like a winnable game. FIU, obviously a winnable game. Missouri's in the top 25 this week. I I, I don't know that I believe that's a top 25 team. You get Great. them in Fayetteville at the end of the year. You, know, you could maybe go on a run here at the end of the year. And, you know, I, I'll say one other thing. If they take the effort that they played in Baton Rouge, if they take that effort to Oxford, they take that effort to Tuscaloosa, they take that effort to Gainesville, I think they're going to pull off a road win somewhere. Maybe a big upset like in Tuscaloosa with Alabama's kind of scuffling along the way do, the way they do. I'm not saying I think Arkansas is going to win that game. I'm just saying if they play with that kind of effort and you get the kind of showing that Alabama showed the last few weeks. Yeah, you can compete down there. You can compete in, in that environment. They're not going to play in a tougher road environment this year than they played at in Baton Rouge the other night. They're certainly not going to play in a louder road environment. And I think getting that road trip out of the way first actually helps you going into Ole Miss, Alabama, Florida. Yeah, I agree with that. And it, it you know, I, I'm writing my column next week uh, for next week's magazine, kind of on the weirdness of the, the Arkansas Ole Miss rivalry and all last weekend, um, when LSU was going up and down the field, Arkansas was going up and down the field in the second half. I was just thinking about another shootout at Ole Miss and how, um, you know, just one stop can make a difference in a game. You know, I just this this will be a big test for for Arkansas this weekend. I don't think the the crowd noise won't be as much of an issue with the crowd split. Um, obviously, although the Aggies can get loud, they do. Yeah, they do make a lot of noise in there. There's no doubt about it. Um, but I, I I don't imagine there will be as much communication issued this week. I mean, that's not to say there's not going to be false starts and and all that stuff. That like Sam has said, that's that that kind of thing is a little bit inevitable, uh, just kind of part of the game. Um, but I think Arkansas has seen a lot. Like they've seen the stimming and they've seen, you know, 
one of the best road environments in, in college football. So I think they'll be better for, for last week. Uh, I think offensively, I think the thing for me is just defensively, can you bounce back? It'll be interesting how it goes this weekend. You got Arkansas, maybe with a little bit of momentum coming out of their game. Obviously, A&M with some momentum. There's some questions at quarterback for A&M. With mm-hmm. Wegman injured, Johnson ended up giving him a spark late in the game against Auburn. Uh, we'll get into all that on our podcast Thursday when Ethan will rejoin us uh, to talk about the Razorbacks and the Aggies. Hope you go to wholehogsports.com. Until then, and we'll see you Thursday on the Whole Hog Football Podcast. The proceeding has been a production of the Hog Sports Network. Look for our daily podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. For more Razorbacks coverage, go to wholehogsports.com or follow the Hog Sports Network reporters on social media.